From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. have been nothing short of dramatic almost every single night, and last night didn't disappoint. This time, Trey Young, again in an away game, again in the playoffs, again hitting a money shot that has everybody reeling today with the Hawks getting the win over the Celtics. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Atlanta's own Harry Douglas. He's on one today. Uh, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. I don't blame him either, but we're going to bring in Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst, uh, because Legs, I, I I need you to help me here. Like, what what's the right to the level reaction to what you saw last night? Because I mean, let me tell you, my, my my guy Harry Douglas is just he is fired up about what we saw last night. Uh, is there any chance in your mind that this turns into something sustainable for the Hawks in this series? Oh, man. Well, listen, here's the thing. It's, it's, listen, first of all, the moment was one of those moments. And, you know, there's a short list over the years, you know, you're doing this for a living where you go, holy, like when it happens, right? <laughs> because you couldn't believe, you couldn't believe where he pulled that from. Like how deep he was in that moment with what's at stake. Your season's over. And you and you pull it from there. So that's the first. And the moment was spectacular. Um I look at Boston and I say, look, this was a team that was head and shoulders above the rest of the league the first two months of the season. It looked like a foregone conclusion. They were headed toward a championship. And and now you look at them and you say, wait a second, the Hawks were a 500 team. You are the number two seed in the East. They're coming into your building for a closeout game and they don't have DeJounte Murray and you get a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter and you can't close that game? So – for me, I think Boston has to have the mentality they need to make a statement in Game 6. Like, go down there, win on the road, and all the chatter about them being susceptible to something will go away. But I think there's a good chance we end up back in Boston for a Game 7. I just think their approach needs to be very businesslike going down there and proving who they are because that just shouldn't happen the way that it happened the other night, blowing that lead when, when the Hawks are down one of their best players and you got a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. And, Legs, i got to ask you about the Celtics defense because it is not that defense that we've seen last year from January all the way up into the Eastern Conference Finals. They are allowing the Hawks to get any and everything that they want from outside shooting, from also things in the paint. What have you seen from that perspective on that Celtics defense? Completely agree. I think that the tone has changed, and it's not good for them because you remember last year we we were like having debates about who from their own team could be defensive player of the year, mm. right? And all of these guys take pride in it, like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams. Now you add Derek White, who might be their best perimeter defender now, particularly on point guard. Brogdon's a good defender. Like across the board, they got a ton of great individual defenders. They're not playing physical at all. That great defensive teams dictate to the offense, what we're going to allow you to do. And we're going to take certain things away. Right now, they're not dictating anything. They're reacting the whole night. They're reacting to what Atlanta does. And when you react in the NBA defensively, you're going to give up big numbers because you've got to anticipate it, be prepared, and then dictate where guys can go and make them play to their weaknesses. And they're just not doing that right now. You mentioned dictating. That's what what Devin Booker is doing for the Suns right now. How is he benefiting from KD being on the floor with him? 
Uh, first of all, Devin Booker's been putting up numbers in his league for a long time. I've never seen him like this. He's almost in a manic scoring state of mind. I get, and, and to back up what I said, I got a great number this morning, great stat that I was given. Uh, 53 times in the history of the NBA playoffs, any individual player has had a four-game stretch where they averaged 40 points a game in the playoffs. It's only happened 53 times ever. No one's ever done it while shooting 62%. That's what Devin Booker, that's what you're watching right now. Um and I think the reason it's easy for him and it looks easy for him, there's never been this gravitational force on the court with him on the other side of the floor. So Durant does his action. He, that's always going to involve two guys. There's always a third guy ready to rotate on him. So now when that ball comes out of there and he gets swung to the other side of the floor, Devin Booker is catching the ball with so much space. And that, that's just deadly for a guy like that. And he's not being dragged and, and held and pushed and bumped and all the physical stuff when he was the primary guy, that's not the case now. He's now a guy that's taking advantage of this space, freedom, and comfort, and he gets himself into these great rhythms. And he, I've never seen him look this hungry as a scorer. And, uh, and, and that's what you're watching, greatness in, in a comfort zone. So, Legs, I'm looking forward to this, this next second-round series, the Denver Nuggets versus the Phoenix Suns. In order for the Suns to get past the Denver Nuggets, outside of Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, who has to be great? Well, it's Aiton. It's definitely top of the list. DeAndre Aiton, and he, look, he's been very good in this series. I still don't think he gets the ball enough. I think they could utilize him more, really make teams pay for spreading out on Booker and Durant because the middle of the floor is wide open. He's going to have to play big, obviously, uh, against Jokic. He's going to have to not only – guard him a lot in the post. He's going to have to hold his own on the boards, and then he's going to have to make a pay on the other end with his screen dive action and make Jokic really have to work. So I think eight is a key in that series. It's crazy to me. I'm saying this about a one seed, but I felt the same way about the Kings where I said, okay, now we're finally going to find out how good the Kings are because they're a three seed, but they were healthy all year. No one else was. It didn't seem like they were a three seed, so I didn't know until we got to the playoffs. I feel the same way about Denver. I feel like everybody, we're all trying to come up with the other team that's supposed to represent the West in the finals, and they were the one seed all year. This series, we are finally going to find out how good this Denver Nuggets team is. Legs, we know you're the best. I know you got to go to SportsCenter, man. We appreciate you hanging out with us, giving us some expertise. Thanks for making us smarter, brother. Anytime, guys. You got it. Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst, joining us. And it, this is interesting to me, Harry, because when we talk about the Suns, I, I don't, you know me, I, I, I try not to overreact to any of it, although lately that's bit me in the ass more times than I can count, right? So <laughs> what, what did we see early on in this one? Like there were a couple of times where KD maybe wasn't aggressive enough and it felt mm-hmm. like the depth of the Clippers was going to be an issue and there was no scoring from anywhere else and you want to panic. And then the Clippers shorthanded, they don't have Kawhi, but all of a sudden in that process, the, the Suns get the one thing it feels like you didn't want to let the Suns get if you're not a, a Suns fan and that's rhythm, right? Like it just feels like this is the hardest part of what we're seeing with Phoenix is that when it looks good, not only does it look good, it looks easy. They have no depth. I just don't know if that matters when the four that they have and the five that they have can play as as one the way they have over the last couple of games. It is Watching Booker do this is just wild. Yeah, uh, and I'll tell you the thing, the one thing that concerns me with the uh, Phoenix Suns is I don't want everyone to be in so, so in awe for the Phoenix Suns watching Devin Booker and Kevin Durant to the point to where they're just sitting there watching them, right? And they aren't cutting to the basket so they can get easy looks because the defense is so much worried about those two guys. I want guys to still, you know, be active and not just sit there and watch those two guys go to work every night. Yeah, I'm not sure, you know, when you start talking about 
how to take Devin Booker. And this is going to be the real thing everybody's going to have to figure out the rest of the way. If you're going to commit to taking Devin Booker away and you just don't want to let him continue, as Legs just said, only 53 players have ever averaged 40 points a game in four consecutive games and none of them have shot the percentage that he's shooting right now. So if you're going to take Devin Booker away, that's cute. Like, but by taking Devin Booker away, all you're really going to do, uh, you want to talk about poke the bear, you're going to let them. Welcome, I mean, that, <laughs> this is what the Suns have right now. Because if you want to take away Booker, cool. You're just going to let Durant destroy you. And that, that feels like a terrible strategy. Well, it's just basically pick your poison, right? Pick your poison. And I think the Phoenix Suns going against the Clippers, I think that's going to be the toughest defense that they go against, especially in the Western Conference. Because of the guys who have the length and can, you know, kind of match up with them, but not really match up with them, but they're the most athletic. You look at Denver, Michael Porter Jr. is going to have to defend. He's going to have to be great. Jamal Murray, he's going to have to defend. He's going to have to be great. Jokic, he's going to have to uh, defend the pick and roll with Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. He can't just sit around and, you know, and, and not defend at all. But on the flip side of that, now you look at the Phoenix Suns, those guys are going to have to defend as well. Because it's, it's, as I mentioned, all the players for the Denver Nuggets playing defense, those guys can also play offense too. Yeah, I just want to point out that considering the fact that it looks like I might be a little nervous about the number of bucks to the finals bets I made, I would really like the Suns to the finals bet to pay off so that, <laughs> you know, we're not eating team dinner at McDonald's. That's all I, you know, like nothing, <laughs> nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying, like, I lose the bet this year on my team and, like, you know, might be splitting that J. Tim's bill at like four different credit cards. All right, that's it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, all right, everybody is saying it's time to break up the Clippers. That was a huge topic this morning on one of our biggest shows. But the fact is, it can't happen, it won't happen, and I'll tell you exactly why next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Booker from 15. Yes, indeed. Devin Booker. When he's called upon, he answers the call. He'll eliminate the Los Angeles Clippers. Suns will move on. The Suns win. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Out game and to be able to make enough plays down the stretch. I thought J.O. Steele was one of the biggest plays in the fourth quarter, and we just were able to make enough plays to, to win the game. They are celebrating in Phoenix with a 4-1 series win over the Clippers, a series that will be remembered for being 4-1, but had plenty of games that were close and plenty of times that had people wondering if the Clippers could do the impossible. The 136-130 lead, uh, win I should say, has led to questions about the Clippers and what's next. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers were presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Harry, you got to hear this. I got to play this for you. This is Stephen A. Smith this morning on First Take talking about the Clippers and what they should do with Kawhi. 
Steve Ballmer and the Los Angeles Clippers should force Kawhi Leonard to retire. I'm done. He needs to go home, okay? So, I'm not in any way questioning the legitimacy of Kawhi Leonard's injury. A matter of fact, I'm fully embracing it. I've heard very, very alarming stories about his health. You see people talking about he's walking around or limping all the time. He is not a healthy individual. I'm not questioning his heart. I'm not questioning his courage. I'm not questioning any of that. The man's a two-time champion. He's a two-time MVP. He is the absolute worst superstar you could possibly have on your team. He's barely ever there. And on top of it all, he does nothing to market or promote your franchise. Absolutely, positively nothing. Here's the thing, Harry. It's a great idea, but now I get to nerd out. Never let a good debate get bogged down by details, but we've got the details, folks. Thanks to Bobby Marks, friend of Stephen A. He also gave Stephen A. this information, and I immediately said, oh, Bobby, can you share that with me? The only way Kawhi gets his money and the Clippers get his number off the books is if Kawhi suffers an injury that is deemed career-ending, and if that were to happen, it would be one year from his last game before any of that came off the books. He can't retire, keep the money, and the Clippers get cap relief. So the thought of Steve Ballmer looking like, I imagine it goes this way. He walks into the room and says, Kawhi, we're going to need you to retire. And Kawhi goes, <laughs> and that's it. That's the end of the conversation. It's, it's simply not happening. <laughs> oh, man, you made me laugh with that one because that, literally that's probably what Kawhi would do. <laughs> and be done. Uh, but I, I think it's a situation where you know, that was on my mind, too. Should should Kawhi retire? But when you hear the parameters of the contract and the ins and outs of it, I don't think he, he, he can do that right now. Um, he probably could. He's made a lot of money. But I'm pretty sure he would want every dollar that he signed for that contract. Also, you know, in order for the, for the Clippers to get money off their books, um, that, that can't be feasible at the moment right now either if he decided to, to retire when I look at the Clippers, right, and Fitz, we was out there for the national championship game out there in L.A., and in that same area, you see construction. Mm. Construction for a new arena for the Los Angeles Clippers. Well, you got to be able to fill that arena that you're building, right, at some point, if you're a businessman, when you're looking at it from, from, from the standpoint of Steve Ballmer. Uh, getting rid of Kawhi and Paul George at that time, uh, at this time, I, I don't think you'd be able to do that. But also, I think the most important thing is that when you look at this basketball team, the Clippers, I thought they had an opportunity to beat the Suns in this series. After watching game one of how Kawhi Leonard played, and Kawhi Leonard in this series uh, averaged, I believe, 34.5 points, six rebounds, six assists, and two steals. But on the flip side of it, he got injured. But then you look at how Russell Westbrook was able to play. You look at how Norman Powell was able to play. And if all you could think of is just say, what if? What if, I, what if the Clippers had Paul George? What if the Clippers had Kawhi Leonard? We might be speaking about a different story right now versus saying the Phoenix Suns um, advance to the next round. It might be a different ball game, honestly. As good as Devin Booker and, and Kevin Durant is, when you have a Paul George and a, and a Kawhi Leonard healthy on a basketball court, and then you have a Norman Powell doing the things that he's doing and a hungry uh, Russell Westbrook, that's a recipe for a disaster for a Phoenix Suns team um, that didn't have that much cohesion, even though they were undefeated coming into the playoffs. 
Kevin Durant was hurt. They didn't have that cohesion. So I just think it's a lot of what if and question marks on this basketball team because of the injuries of their top two players. And I feel sorry for Ty Lue because Ty Lue is a damn good coach. But what do you want him to do when you're down two prominent players in the NBA and you're left with everyone else to just go out there and try to win a game? Uh, there's a spot for me, Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. You got to know where your franchise is. And I, I say this all the time. We talked When we talked about the Mavs, I said the same thing, right? You've got to know how you're building. So if you're building through the draft, that's one process. And it's over here in this lane. If you are building with superstars, it's in this lane. If you're in L.A., you better be doing that superstar lane because you don't really have time to go through the process that we all know is several years of stinking so that you can get the right draft pick so that you can hopefully get, like, that's not going to work for a new arena for a Clippers brand that's trying to really stand out and be the standout in L.A., right? So you've got to look at it and say, what's my best option? Sure, I can hear right now every NBA head's going to say they're never going to be healthy. Maybe you're right. But the chances of hitting in the draft year after year after year for the next three or four years and then building something relevant also isn't really high. So if I'm a gambling man, I would much rather put my uh, eggs back in the basket over here that has a great coach with a couple of superstars that we know if they can be healthy at the right time can win you a lot of games. Like They are relevant. The one thing you can't be, you can stink in the NBA. You can't be irrelevant. Once you've taken that step, Oklahoma City, you don't get it back. Like It is so hard to go from being a team that has stars to a relevant team when you go through the rebuild, especially in LA with the new arena. There's If I owned a team, there is no way I'm taking the step back and just trying to build around a bunch of guys nobody's ever heard of. Well, here's the hard part. The hard part is when you know, you're the Clippers and you're watching the Lakers and what they're doing to the Memphis Grizzlies. And you understand as a organization that you have beaten that team 11 straight times. Mm. That's where it really kills you. If you're a Clippers fan, if you're high up in that organization, that you just say, man, can, can our guys just be healthy? Because we know what we could be if everyone is here and out there on the uh, basketball court present to present something to whoever we're playing, uh, uh, whatever opponent that they're going against. It's just that they haven't been able to be to this point. You look at the last three years, right? This year they lost in the first round. Last year they lost in the play-in. And then uh, I think it was the bubble year. They lost in the second round. I believe it was to the Denver Nuggets who went on and go went to the Western Conference Finals and lost to the Lakers who won the NBA championship. So, I mean – Paul George and Kawhi Leonard being there, there's not really anything to show for it right now. But we do know when those guys are healthy and on the basketball court that you do have a product. You have a product that people want to watch and cheer for. That's the hardest part about all of this is that, you know, maybe it's not going to result in a championship, but you're also not going to just be in the bottom of the barrel of suck. And the one thing the Clippers can't be right now, you mentioned we were out in L.A. Like, I don't I don't know how brands in L.A. sustain rebuilds, whether we're talking about uh, the Kings or whether we're uh, the L.A. Kings, I should say, or whether we're talking about the Chargers, the Rams are going through it right now. I don't know that brands in L.A. can go through the five-year period of, well, trust me, guys, down the road, we're going to be good. Because by then, that city has moved on, forgotten about you, and they've gone to the next shiny, bright thing that they'd rather support. So I think the Clippers are sort of, they're, they're stuck. They're damn Damned if they do and damned if they don't. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio, by the way. Tune in tonight. Kings host the Warriors, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Cannot wait for that matchup tonight. Coming up, one quarterback in the NFL draft could go second or fall out of the top 20. We'll explain why there's such a massive gap next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Only one day until the 2023 NFL Draft. 
This draft is as intriguing as any we've seen in recent memory. It all begins with round one tomorrow at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Kuiper Jr. Player profile. Only one year as a starter. 13 career starts is all you got from Anthony Richardson. But boy, how about that Utah game September 3rd? He was on fire. 71% of his passes were completed. Rushed for 106 yards and three touchdowns. Looked like the number one pick overall guaranteed. Next week against Kentucky, he's at 40% with a couple picks and only four rushing yards on six carries. Through the year, he had some ups and downs. Accuracy comes and goes. But you can't teach, you can't coach the kind of physical and athletic talent, that rocket arm, that incredible running skills that he brings to the table. He's the ultimate developmental quarterback. He needs time. In time, he could be spectacular, but there is a boomer bust look to Anthony Richardson. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Reminder, you can listen to every single pick of the NFL draft on ESPN Radio. Canty and Carlin going to be doing a great job with the mega cast there that will get you every pick. Also, Harry and I will be coming back together with a huge group. Field Yates, Harry Lyles, Spencer Hall, myself, uh, Andrew Hawkins. We will be breaking down the draft for you on digital for all of the first two days. So we'll be getting you commercial free through every single pick. One of the picks that everybody's talking about every single day is Anthony Richardson. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when and where he'll be drafted near the top of this thing. Everybody wonders what to expect from him. So... Harry, we're going to bring in an expert, Billy Napier, Florida Gators head coach. Uh, coach, I really appreciate your time. You know Anthony Richardson better than anybody, obviously, having coached him in Florida. The the argument constantly, as you just heard Mel Kuyper Jr. saying, is 13 games of tape. What is your counter to that when people talk about the lack of, of tape on him specifically? No, I mean, I think that's the dilemma, right? I mean, there's no question the guy's 20 years old, right? And he's He's a one-year starter, and he did that in a first-year system. Uh, we had Anthony um, about a year, and um, you know, I think when you really start digging into his experience, you know, he played right here in Gainesville, Florida, at Eastside High School. Uh, his freshman year in college was COVID, and then 2021 was a unique season at UF, and then obviously we came in last year, so. Uh, there's no question that those are credible questions, and and I feel like I've answered those many times. But, uh, you know, Anthony has character. He's extremely bright, and he is generational talent, right? I mean, he completely destroyed the NFL combine, every measurable known to man uh, for the quarterback position. And um, when you see the ball come out of his hand and you pair that with his ability to score a touchdown with his feet and legs on any play. I think that's the intrigue here. And uh, if I was a head coach, I'd draft the guy. That's what I would tell you. Coach Napier, being with Anthony Richardson all of last year, what would you say, if you had to pinpoint one thing that's his greatest trait, I know he has a lot of things that he can do really well, but if you had to pinpoint one single thing that's his greatest trait, 
what would that be coming from you? Well, I think the just general, um, I think the guy's a real loyal guy. He wants to do his job for the team, right? So I think he's got the, uh, there's a certain sense of responsibility that he feels uh, to do his absolute best for his teammates, right? So um, I think overall that's what's in, that is what impressed me was I do think that he, uh, as a competitor, as a leader, uh, playing quarterback at the University of Florida is a big deal, right? There's a lot that comes with that. So, um, but you know, I mean, there's a long, long list of strengths here. Um, I think the guy's a natural thrower and uh, the arm talent. You know, there's no throw that this guy cannot make, right? I mean, you can you can draw up about anything that you want to draw up. So think that uh, although he is a unique athlete, I think the arm talent, the accuracy, the the ability to throw all different types of throw in the pocket, on the move, um, at some point in his career, he's going to have to make his, you know, make his living being a passer. I think he's capable of doing that. Coach, you, you mentioned some of his traits. If For you, looking at him in the NFL level, the constant debate is, do you, do you sit somebody like this and let them learn under somebody, or do you give them more reps for somebody his age that with his experience? What do you think the perfect situation is for him? Well, I've said this many times. I think um, continuity and system will be important. I, I think it'll be really important that he gets to a place um, with a head coach, with a coordinator, quarterback coach, continuity year one year two year three regardless of he's the starter or not um i think an organization makes a wholesale commitment to build around what he's capable of doing Um, there are some great scenarios where there's new head coaches that could draft the guy and do just that right give him the reps build around what he's capable of doing there's also scenarios out there where the guy could go sit behind a savvy veteran that's the consummate pro that could, you know, kind of show Anthony what it would be like to be, you know, operate at a high level with multiple years of experience, right? So I think both of those would be ideal for Anthony. Um, but this will be a journey, right? There's going to be a there's going to be a lot of good days and a lot of bad days. There's going to be growth here, um, but I think the ceiling. I don't know that we can see the ceiling if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's exciting to see, and certainly I know Anthony is looking forward to the challenge. Right? He's excited about proving himself. He's bet on himself, um, and I think ultimately he's. He's proved to people through the interview process and the combine, um, you know, that he's up for the task. Coach, you get the head coaching job at Florida. You come in, right, and you see Anthony Richardson on the football field do these backflips over and over again. <laughs> what was your first impression as a head coach when you seen him do that live? Well, I mean, it was part of taking the job, right? I mean, you know, Anthony had only played – about 200 plays prior to last year, right? But he had a phenomenal highlight reel of plays. In those 200, you know, there were some really unique things. You could see the talent. Um, You know, Anthony 
was coming off a knee surgery, you know, if you look back at things, he missed phase one and phase two in the offseason with us. He was in return to play protocol coming back from knee surgery. Um, and even in spring practice, uh, he was modified, right? He played from the pocket. You know, we quick whistled him most of the spring. You know, so um, I didn't get to see him throw. He missed bolt, the bowl prep where we were actually here for a couple weeks. Uh, I didn't get to see the guy throw until spring practice. So, uh, but we we all knew coming into the job that we had a young, talented quarterback that could re, could be really special in the future. Coach, real quick, before we let you go, I know you've talked a lot about Anthony. Osiris Torrance is somebody else you have, played with you at Louisiana, played with you at Florida. Uh, what do you think of him? As Everybody's looking at him in the draft. Yeah, no, Osiris is the opposite of Anthony, right? He has a huge sample size of plays. You know, he's a four-year starter, played, you know, thirty over 3,000 snaps, you know, 3,500 snaps. I mean, this guy played – three years in the Sun Belt, and then made the move to the SEC and proved himself this year. So all the measurements are there. Uh, although he was a group of five player, he's 6'5", 335 pounds. Um, football comes easy to him. He's really bright. Um, he's got great instincts. Uh, he's good in the run game. He, can, he plays with power and can move people, but he's also plays long in the pass game. And and win those one-on-ones there inside with some of those tough matchups. So this guy could step in there and play for you right away. Um, and I think he's, you know, he's a humble, simple, simple. Um, comes from great people. Grew up uh, raised by his grandma in a small community in Louisiana. Uh, and really a guy that he's durable. He's tough, and he's been a very consistent person as well as a player. Coach, we appreciate your time. We appreciate your insight. Congratulations on the success you're having in Florida. Can't wait to see where it continues to go for you. Thanks for hanging out with us. All right, guys. Thank you all. It's Billy Napier, Florida Gators head coach, uh, an expert on a bunch of different prospects that we're going to be looking at. Who will go first, Stroud or Young? Find out tomorrow the 2023 NFL Draft on ESPN Radio. First-round coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN Radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. All right. Our mock draft continues. Where will America's team go? That's next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Brought to you by Wendy's $3 breakfast deal. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. The 2023 NFL Draft. Live from Kansas City's historic Union Station, it all begins with round one. The Carolina Panthers are on the clock. Tomorrow at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You guys know the drill. It's the Fitz and Harry mock draft where we have superstars come in and make the picks for each of the teams we're giving you every pick through the first round of the draft. Again, no trades. That is one rule. No trades. All right? So, we've made it all the way down to pick number 25. It's time for the chimes. And that means the New York Giants are on the clock. Let's see where it goes. With the 25th pick in the 2023 Fitz and Harry mock draft, the New York football Giants select Osiris Torrance, 
guard Florida. Torrance is a massive humanity at 6'5", 340 pounds, and he plays that big. He's got heavy hands, and he uses them in both the run game and pass protection. He's also got top-tier recognition skills and awareness, which help him pick up stunts and blitzes, which make him a day-one starter. So after the Giants miss out on a run on pass catchers and pass rushers, they opt to fortify their rebuilt offensive line with yet another premium pick, giving them one of the most dominant units in the entire National Football League. Mel Kuyper Jr., player profile. This kid is a one-man destroyer at offensive guard. You want to help and really accentuate your running game, he can do that. Just blows that defensive tackle off the ball. Goes into the second level, maintains his balance, maintains his feet. Pass protection, he'll hold his own certainly in the NFL in that area. Just a solid, pure guard. Really the best pure guard in this draft. All right, Harry, what do you think? Osiris Torrance. Yeah, I think the most important thing watching his film is the ability to get to the second level, right, and get and cover up those linebackers for the run game. Uh, he allowed zero sacks in his entire career at the University of Florida. You know how hard that is to do fits. He's great at the point of attack with his hands, and he had a good game, uh, some good tape against Jalen Carter, who a lot of people has as the number one prospect in this draft. So I like this move for the Giants. They took Evan Neal last year from Alabama. Now they take another SEC player in Osiris um, uh, Torrance. Torrance in this uh, year's draft. One thing I love is something that Coach just pointed out. He was somebody that had small school tape, and he was able to use the transfer portal that everybody loves to yell about as a chance to get big school tape. Helped his stock immensely last year in Florida. Good for him on that. All right, that's your 25th pick. That love means, his physicality. Love uh, his physicality. 100%. That, uh, let's, uh, time for the chimes again. Chris Canty, by the way, made the last pick for the Giants. And now our other lovable big fella, Marcus Spears, going to make the chimes, or make the pick, I should say, for the Dallas Cowboys. With the 26th pick in the 2023 Fitz and Harry mock draft, the Dallas Cowboys select Michael Mayer, tight end Notre Dame. Mel Kuyper Jr., player profile. Not flashy, but real consistent, reliable, throwback veteran tight end. Super tough, 180 career receptions, 18 career receiving touchdowns. Knows how to find open areas. A model of consistency is Michael Mayer. A very good stretch to feel, phenomenal hands, a really good inline blocker, but will compliment Dak Prescott as when he came in the league, he had Jason Witten and recently departed Dalton Schultz to the Houston Texans. Michael Mayer steps in and becomes an impact player for the Dallas Cowboys right away. Harry, what do you think? Huge need for the Dallas Cowboys because Dalton Schultz is gone. Not too long ago, they was calling Michael Mayer Baby Grunk, right? I love what he brings to the uh, to the run game, especially at the point of attack and also getting to the second level as a tight end. But a lot of people are underrated about his release game when he's going against press coverage. He has some nice body control and knows how to get off the line, strong hands, can run routes. He's not going to be the most fluid and athletic tight end that you have out there, but I love what he brings to the run game, also the pass game. Sure handed Notre Dame leaned solely on him last year um, and the year before that as well so I love this pick by the Dallas Cowboys and I love your point there not only did Notre Dame rely on him solely Notre Dame didn't have great consistent quarterback play either he was the one option and the one safety blanket by the way anybody that needs a tight end I would tell you right now according to some draft experts there are as many as six tight ends that could go in the first two rounds this is a loaded tight end class all right time for the chimes again the Buffalo Bills are on the clock, which means our favorite Christine Lisi gets to give us the pick. 
With the 27th pick in the 2023 Fitz and Harry Mock draft, the Buffalo Bills select Cody Mauk, offensive tackle, North Dakota State. The 6'5", 302-pound Mauk, a former standout high school tight end, excellent run blocker, explosive athleticism, exceptional range as a moving blocker, surges into blocks. We got to get that run game going so it's not all Josh Allen all the time on offense. Also, Mauk's a North Dakota State guy. We had another guy from North Dakota State in the 90s, defensive end Phil Hansen, had a good career in Buffalo and played on three of our Super Bowl teams. Go Bills! Oh, look at her getting the gold belt. Look, Christina Lee is a saint for making it. that pick. All right, Cody Mauk, what do you think, Harry? Uh, I love about him. He's a run, run, run blocker. Nasty fits. You talk about having your head on the swivel if you're a defensive lineman or a defensive player. It's because he's going to finish plays. Can play guard, tackle, center. Can do a lot of different things on the football field. But I love his nastiness in the run game in which the Buffalo Bills, they need a better run game. But they also need offensive line help. So this is a pick that they desperately desperately need. Uh, also an interesting moment on Malk is that he does have some versatility. Some people see him outside. Some people see him inside. Let's see where yep. his career plays. Any Anytime you're making a jump from offensive line, you know, from from a smaller school to the NFL, uh, it can be a little nerve wracking here. Uh, so obviously, offensive line looks to be a bit of a need there. I see 100% where Christine is going with that pick for the Bills. So uh, that is the 27th pick. What means we got a few more to get to that we will get you tomorrow. One thing that is interesting to me as we sit right now in our mock draft, remembering Harry that the rule was no trades. Hendon Hooker still has not been selected. I, I, there is. You know, when you and I and Harry Lyles and Field Yates and Andrew Hawkins and Spencer Hall are hanging out tomorrow night and Friday night, I think there's a better chance that pigs are ice skating in hell than there is Hendon Hook, Hooker will make it this late in the draft and somebody hasn't traded up for him. You said pigs ice, ice skating, skating in hell. hell. Yeah. yeah you know, well, it's, no, like, it's, just, it's just too many quarterback needy teams. And I understand Hendon Hooker might not be your day one starter this year, but – past this year he's a guy that you can i think rely solely on i mean i just now i'm starting to envision this world where the raiders just take the best defensive player at seven and then all of a sudden they just sneak back up they they piddle their way back up to the bottom of the first round and they land themselves a hendon hooker like mm, i would not be mad about i don't think anybody should be mad about getting hendon hooker at the end of the first round knowing full well that he will likely not play in his uh rookie year obviously fits and harry presented by progressive insurance progressive protects your home auto boat motorcycle and rvn could save you money. Visit Progressive.com. All right, we're going to do something we have never done here before. Aaron Rodgers, for the first time today, will meet with the New York media in just minutes. You're going to hear it live, and we will give you immediate reaction on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 